Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Vaughn with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live right here from our studios in sunny yet lightning-striking central Florida. Good to have everyone here today uh, for another installment of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Uh, the Raven Institute is an uh, outreach ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com, and find out more information on the ministry of Raven Ministries International. Uh, while we're headquartered here in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida, by no means this is the only place that the ministry is going. Matter of fact, this is just kind of a, this one little spot in the uh, in the whole scope of things. You'll find if you go to our website, you click on Raven Nation, the bottom button on the bottom of the page, and you can find out that we have teams scattered throughout the United States and into Canada that are doing some tremendous, tremendous things uh, for the kingdom of God. I encourage you to go check it out, and you'll see uh, if maybe there's a, a team in your area that you can get involved with or they can get involved in something that you're doing. We'd love to be a help to you and a support in uh, whatever capacity it is, reaching people for Jesus. And if you're wondering what we're all about, that's what we're about. We're about lifting up the name of Jesus and seeing men drawn to him through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, if that's what you're about, that's what we're about. And so we're all about the same thing. We may call it something different and put a different name on it, but at the end of the day, it is the name of Jesus that we're here to lift up and to glorify because that's who we're winning people uh, to the, his kingdom, not our own kingdom or, or through our own abilities or efforts. And so thank you so much for joining us. This is class number actually 168 today in our study in the book of Romans. We have been doing an expository teaching. Uh, next month it will be a year that we've been in the book of Romans. Incredible, incredible journey, I guess you could say, uh, in this uh, study. And uh, like I said, 168th hour of teaching on the subject of this. And uh, uh, we're at Romans chapter 12, verses, uh, we'll look at chapter uh, uh, 3 today in 4 five, and 5. But if you've not gotten them, you can actually email us at raven at biggrace.com, raven at biggrace.com. We'd love to send you an audio uh, disc of those and uh, put them in your house, uh, put them in your hand. Actually, Deb's fixing to start working on getting those back downloaded onto our, our server as well. And uh, so we'll have all of those. We've been working on a, a new thing that uh, Sister Lucy, matter of fact, from Raven East Coast is connected us with. And so we'll have all of those uh, functioning probably in the next couple of weeks. There's a, obviously, there's a lot of hours to download. And so we'll have those available where you can download them onto your computer. Or you can just send off and we'll send you a disc that you can play on your computer and download it in that capacity. But nonetheless, thank you so much for, for being a part of this and, and coming to uh, to the table of the Lord where we can come and, and really just spread a banquet feast for us of the Word of God. So thank you so much for being a part of this. And uh, we just believe God's going to bless and, and touch and speak today. Really, this is a, a neat Neat verse that we're going to talk. You know, if I, can I use the word neat in describing the Bible? I get excited. There's certain things that just really get me excited. I love to, there, there's certain things that come up and I'm like, oh, I mean, I can't wait till I get to that section because I really want to teach on that. You know, there's some of those things when you teach the word that you, that you know, especially when you're doing an expository teaching where you're going really through a book of the Bible like we, what we've been doing and laying just a complete groundwork for that rather than a topical type study. And so you know when you're going to get to a certain area that's going to allow you to extract something that, that maybe you know that people haven't fully understand or, or something that, that maybe God's given you a little insight on. So uh, we're going to get something really good today. So keep your pencils and, and pens out or whatever it is because I believe you're in for a treat this morning uh, in the Word of God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for His blessing upon this. 
And uh, don't forget tonight from 8.30 until 10, we got another installment of the Raven Nation Live. The Raven Nation Live, we bring our teams in and from all over. If you uh, never joined us for that, you'll see on our screens here that uh, you'll, you'll see people gathered in different places around the United States and in their homes and, or whatever else for a, for a tremendous time of, um, uh, of just teaching, fellowship, prayer, intercessory prayer. If you have prayer requests, please send those to pray at biggrace.com, P-R-A-Y at biggrace.com every Tuesday. We lift those up. Then we're here uh, every uh, Monday, excuse me, seven days a week through Pentecost Sunday. We're, we're praying as a team live, except when our house gets struck by lightning and, and we have technical problems. But uh, almost every day we're here from 5 a.m. until 6 a.m. live. And even when we're not live, people are praying it's, it's, uh, in their homes and wherever they're at. So join us for that. We want to lift up those prayer requests, but please send those in from 8.30 to 10 p.m. live tonight. We're going to be praying. Last week we had a tremendous time. You know, Pastor Alex and I were here together, and man, it was just like a tag teaming for Jesus. It was a tremendous, tremendous time. Good stuff. So if you weren't here last week, uh, be here this week. God's going to do some neat, neat stuff. So praise God for that. And uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for his blessing on this teaching today. And for those that may have a physical need, we believe in praying for the sick and that the prayer of the righteous availeth much. And we believe that we are righteous in Christ Jesus. We don't have to make any excuses. We don't have to continue in bondage. We don't have to, to, to walk in the, in the old sin nature because that stuff has been paid for and destroyed because of the work of the cross. And so we put our faith in that righteousness. And we know that the prayers of the righteous avail month. They accomplish many things. We've seen them uh, in, in, a, in a great way. And God did some tremendous things. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. If you have prayer requests as far as physical healing somebody needs, drop them on the screen and we'll pray those out loud together as we're praying. Father, in the name of of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord God, for this day, for this opportunity, Lord God, to come together. Father, really under the umbrella of your grace and your mercy and your love. We just ask you to come and to fill us up this morning, Lord Jesus. We just ask you to come up and fill these places, Lord God, wherever we find ourselves. Lord God, that your glory and your holiness and your righteousness and your power would be made manifest, Lord God. Father, that you would just demonstrate, Lord God, who you are in, in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for a tremendous opportunity, Lord God. This is a day stocked, piled full of opportunities, Lord God, for us to know you, to serve you, Lord God, to learn of you and to grow in you, Lord God, in faith. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity in the name of Jesus. We just ask that you'd come, Lord God, and just give us understanding, Lord God, that you would just <clears throat> give us a wisdom, Lord God, and a clarity in your word. Father, I just confess, Lord God, in and of myself, I'm incapable. But, Father, I have a capacity that comes, Lord God, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father, I just ask, Lord God, that you would just show up, Lord God, and just reveal yourself to us. Lord God, just give us a, a hunger after your word, Lord God, that we would seek, Lord God, and keep on seeking. We would knock and keep on knocking. We'd keep ask and keep on asking, Lord God, that, Father, we would just have a tenacity, Lord God, in regards to knowing you and knowing your word in the name of Jesus. Just give us a, a capacity, Lord God, out of that tenacity, Lord God, to, to hear and retain, Lord Lord God, that which you speak. We thank you that your word, Lord God, is not just dead, dry words printed on a page. But, Lord God, it is a living word, Lord God. It is the, it is the, the God-breathed word that's breathed into our life to resuscitate, Lord God, all the deadness, Lord God, that has been there. And, Father, we just ask for, for, for you to touch, Lord God, those that have been sick in their physical bodies. We just ask for healing and restoration to come upon them, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that we serve a healing God. You said you sent your word to heal us, Lord God. And we thank you that there is a, a provision that was made in the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, Lord God. And there is a victory, Lord God, over, Lord God, every iniquity, every bondage. And we bind those things up right now in the name of Jesus. And we're just asking, Lord God, that you would just demonstrate your power and your love and your mercy, Lord God, in healing, Lord God, in restoration, Lord God, in authority, Lord God, today as we just submit ourselves unto you. 
Now, Father, bless this teaching, Lord God. Bless our time together and give us opportunities, Lord God, to just make your name known, Lord God, amongst the nations, even this day. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen and Amen. Uh, Eileen said, Lost you. Y'all lost us, or are we still. You got a feed? Yeah, seems like we do. Everybody good? Praise be unto God. I put feed on there to see if we had a good feed. Amen. Everybody got it still? I just noticed that said lost you. Everybody with us? I'm asking, but I'm not receiving an answer. Let's give somebody a second to respond, see if they're hearing us. Okay, maybe it's just one. I got y'all. Thank you, Megan. And Eileen got us back. Folks, the book of Romans, you know, this has been, you know, Romans in, in, in general is, is tremendous. And as you're going through, you're laying the foundation, the groundwork for all these things. So we lost you here a bit too, but you have returned. Praise God that we are back. Anyway, folks, the book of Romans, you know, it's, it's incredible when you get into it. You know, you, you know you're laying the groundwork. You know, talking about the doctrines of those first eight chapters and just the challenges and, and God just revealing how he's unfolded his covenant uh, from the Jews even unto us. Then you come to this 12th chapter, and, and really, do not forget that this 12th chapter is telling us how we are to live, how we are to function within the capacities of these great doctrines that he has given us in his word. And so we, we, we have all the tools, now we've got the how-to. Here is how you're going to experience this. Here is how you're going to see victory. Here is how you're going to apply all those principles that I've, give, I've given unto you. And so, folks, I want to be one that doesn't just... Here, as James says, but I want to do. And so this is, this is, gives us the ability of the doing of it. So really, and especially today, I don't want you to miss any of this, but I'm going to read those first three verses again. And, and then kind of to set you up and to, to, to kind of really, uh, uh, propel us into what I want to talk about in, in detail today. But it says, I beseech you, therefore, I'm begging you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice that are holy, that are acceptable and perfect unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say to you through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself, oops, more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. Folks, do you, do you realize this, and you probably do, that anything that we do which glorifies God in any way actually originates with Him to begin with? Do I need to say that again? Anything that we do that can, can bring any type of glory to God in any way actually originates from Him to begin with. What that does is that we, we can't take credit for anything. If God uses you to do something, you know what? God's the one that enabled you to do that. If God empowers you, God's the one that empowers you to do that. <clears throat> if God graces you, if God gifts you, if God opens up an opportunity, at the end of the day, any, anything that, that we do that glorifies His name in any capacity actually originated from him. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, uh, we'll go to the store, maybe Kayla's with me or something, and she'll say, hey, Dad, uh, you know, she'll put something up on the, the counter to pay for, and she'll reach into her pocket and she'll fix and hand me like a $5 bill. And she'll say, here, Dad, I'll pay for it. And I say, Kayla, put that back in your pocket. I'm the one who gave you that money to begin with. And I'll say, and she'll say, oh, Dad, I won't pay for it. And I'll say, honey, put that back in. I'm the one that gave it to you to begin with. Like she's doing me a favor. You know what? And I, she spends that $5. What's going to happen? I'm going to have to reach into my other pocket and give her another $5 for that. Folks, it's the same way with God. We, we're, we're thinking that we're doing God a favor. We're thinking that, you know, God, let me do this for you. Folks, anything that we have in any respect, whatever it is that we do that's going to glorify his name, it originates from him. He's the one that put it in our hand. And so us just offering ourselves, that's really what he's talking about in Romans 1. Three, talking about uh, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. It's just reasonable service. Why? Because it's His anyway. 
Everything about you, anything that you have that's good, is God. So that's what makes it so reasonable. And so if, if, I, if God calls me to do something and I don't want to do it, it's, it's reasonable for me to do it because I'm His anyway. If, if God challenged me, if, if I have to go through a trial or whatever, that's just reasonable because I'm His anyway. Folks, listen. James 1 and 17 and 18 says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Where does it originate? From above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that, that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creation. Folks, where does every good gift come from? Every perfect gift? It comes down from God, the Father of lights, who there's no variation, no shadow of turning. But of His own will, His will, He brought us forth by this word of truth, so that we can be that kind of a first fruit. We can be that, that initial manifestation. Of his creation. So folks, really, this should keep things in perspective as we really we serve to obey him. And it should keep us from getting prideful or high-minded in, in anything that we do, do because the one who gave us that those things or abilities certainly has the right to take them away at any time. Do you hear what I'm saying? The one that called you, the one that enabled you, at any time he can pull those things back. Why? Because it's his anyhow. And so those times when we want to shake our hands at heaven or those things we want to get disappointed or or think, folks, listen, either my life is his or my life is my own. I prefer to be in his hand because I tried for a period of my life to to do it in my own capacity or doing it in my own strength. And you know what? It always comes up short. It never never is able to to measure out and see the things that I would like to see it measure out. So if if they're his, they're his anyhow. And I, I... and, and I want you to think about something here, though. This is what's interesting. You'll see it in, in Acts 10.34. You'll see it in Romans 2.11. You don't have to write these all down. Ephesians 6.9, Colossians 3.25, James 2.1 and 2, 1 Peter 1.17, 2 Peter 3.11. I give you all the scriptures. You can see it's in here a lot. And uh, you can go back and listen to it and get the references. Every single one of those passages that I just gave you the reference to, every single one of them says that God is no respecter of a person. Every single one of those. And so we have one, two, three, four, five, just right there that I gave you, that say God is no respecter of persons. And that word to be a respecter of persons means one who discriminates or shows partiality for one over another. And so, folks, listen, God does not discriminate. God is not showing partiality over one. And so, for me, when I say that, listen, it makes me want to get up and run quote unquote around the house. That's what I want to do. You know why? It's so encouraging to me because it lets me know that Moses wasn't the only one that could speak to God face to face as a man spoke to his friend. It lets me know that David is not the only person that after all of his failures, all of his bad decisions, uh, adultery, uh, murder, that he can still be a man after God's own heart. It reminds me that Abraham is not the only one whose faith could be accounted unto him to righteousness. It's not, it, it, it reminds me that Peter is not the only one whose shadow can be cast and heal the sick. It reminds me that Elijah is not the only one who can stand against the prophets of Baal. It reminds me of the, of, that Gideon is not the only one that can stand and see victory over insurmountable odds. It reminds me that Samuel is not the only one that can be called from, a, from his childhood and, and walk in holiness and righteousness throughout all of his days and, and, and never see wickedness come into his life. It reminds me that Joseph is not the only one that can overcome even the rejection of his own family to do great exploits and see a reconciliation come into those things. Isn't that encouraging? I say those things and I get just a, a spiritual witness all over me because if God is no respecter of persons, everything that I read within this canon of Scripture are the people that I see God using certain things, the, the power, the glory, the restoration, the, the forgiveness, the mercy, the healing, all those things that God is no respecter of person, that He's not going to discriminate 
against me because that's not the, because my name wasn't Elijah. He's not going to discriminate against me because I wasn't Moses. He's not going to discriminate me because I'm not Gideon or Samuel or Joseph or Peter or Paul or, or James or John. That, that God loves me and God is willing to do for me exactly the same things that He did for them if I will be willing to position myself for a move of God, for the Spirit of God, for the faith of God, just like they did. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so if He will do it for one or in one, then that means that He can do it for me too. That, that I can stand against the prophets of Baal. That, that my shadow and faith can, 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 can be cast and heal the sick. That I can speak to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That I don't have to walk in this, in this up and down compromising life. That, that, that I can overcome even if I'm rejected by those that are close to me. I can see that type of victory. I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I can call devils out of people. And, and I can pray and see the blinded eyes open. That I can say, come on forth out of that, that grave in the name of Jesus. You see what I'm saying, folks? That is what He's given us. He's, it's, it's through this measure of grace that God has dealt those things. So anything that's good, anything that's perfect, anything that's holy and righteous originates from Him. And if it originates from Him, there's not some spiritual hierarchical pecking order where I've got to perform and, and it's only reserved for these few or this one. No, uh-uh, absolutely not. There's no shadow of turning. There's no variableness. And so when God pours it out, He makes it, He gives access to everyone. And the key is, how do we get into that position? How do we position ourselves? for the miraculous. I believe it starts with expectancy. And I believe expectancy is birthed out of a life of faith and of knowing the Word of God. And so if I put myself, I tell people all the time, there's two ways to get a ride. You can either stick your thumb out on the highway and hope for somebody to stop, or you can get in the middle of the road. And even if they run over you, they're going to have to call an ambulance to get you where you're going anyway. Folks, listen, I would rather get ran over by the will of God. I would rather get stampeded by the glory of the Lord by throwing myself right in every type of situation that demands the Spirit of God show up and take care of His own. You hear what I'm saying? I want to put myself in a position where it's either it's God's going to be glorified. I want to put myself in a, in a situation where the mercy and the compassion and the power and the holiness of, and righteousness of God have got to be visited upon me to enable me to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or think. But as long as I never put myself in that position, like Moses, like David, like Abraham, like Joseph, like Elijah, like Gideon, like Samuel, amen, if I never put myself in a position like, like these people did in old, what's, what's going to happen? I'm never going to the benefits of these that what these people have. And so I want to put myself in that experience. So folks, really, the question though is what will qualify me to walk in and experience the things that so many great men and women of faith experience? What is it? What's going to qualify me? Because if it's it, 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 it because I know that it's not because they personally possess some inherent uh, quality or or something apart from the spirit of God. I know that that's not the case. Why? Because I know what James one seventeen and eighteen says that every good gift, every perfect gift, every enablement, every opportunity, anything that I have that's that's going to have the capacity for 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 righteousness came from Him. And so, how do I put myself, or how do I get myself in a situation where I can do the same thing? Anybody want to know the answer to that? If not, we'll sign off and I'll say get into God's Word and God's Word got into you and we'll be done for the day and we'll move on to, to, to verse 4 or whatever else. Folks, listen. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Okay? God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Folks, listen. The reason that these people were able to do what they did for the kingdom is because they positioned themselves for God to use them by the exercise of their faith. You hear what I'm saying? The reason that these people were able to do what God did for them in regards to the kingdom is because they positioned themselves for God to use them because they exercised their faith. God dealt them a measure 
or that measure means the determined extent of something. Okay, He dealt with them a determined extent of something. And because they were willing to take the measure to God's intended extent, okay, they were willing to take the measure that God gave them to the extended, uh, intended extent. Folks, listen, the thing about it is, in our lives, God will give us a measure of faith. But, but rather than taking that to the measurement or the, uh, the intended place that he wants, what do we do? We hold back and we draw back. And it, what happens is a spiritual atrophy begins to take place. We begin to dry up. We begin to get stiff neck. We begin to, to, to never expand or extend the places that God wants us to go. And so it, God dealt with them a measure. He determined extent of something. Because they were willing to take that measure to God's extended extent, then God took and increased the measure based upon their exercise of faith. Do I need to say that again? They took it to the extent, then God took and increased that measurement based upon their exercise of faith. Have, have you ever heard or heard somebody says that, that somebody said God is really stretching my faith? Now people will say that and they have no idea what they're even meaning. Is, does God stretch? Absolutely. God wants to stretch our faith. But the only time it gets stretched is when it's taken to its full capacity. Now I can sit here today and I, and I can hold my arms out like this. Folks, I'm pushing my arm straight back to my side. You that are only listening to the to the to the the audio portion. But what if somebody gets behind me and they grab my wrist? Now what's happening? Now I'm getting extreme. I'm getting stretched. Right now I'm only extended. You hear what I'm saying? But if I extend myself, what have I done? I've I've put myself in a position that someone can grab me and stretch me. Now if I tell somebody, man, I need you to stretch out my arms and my shoulders. And if I keep my arms folded, are they ever going to be able to stretch me? No. I've got to extend myself to the capacity of my limitation. Then what happens? I position myself for the stretching. Folks, listen. You will never get stretched. You will never get built up to the capacity to stand against the prophets of Baal, to cast out devils, to see people get healed, to preach the word with authority. None of those things unless you're willing to take what God has already given you and extend it. To the, to the furthest part possible. Then what's going to happen? He's going to grab hold and He's going to stretch you to another measure of capacity than you ever had. God will only stretch your faith when you have met or are now exceeding the original measurement and are now ready for a bigger challenge based upon a bigger obedience. Do I need to say that again? God will only stretch your faith when you have met or are now exceeding the original measurement and are now ready for a bigger challenge based upon a bigger obedience. Does anybody want that this morning? Now listen to what it says in Luke chapter 6 verse 38. He said, and, and we see this scripture, when somebody wants to get a lot of money in their offering, they'll use this scripture. But, but folks, it's totally out of context in that respect. Here's what it says in Luke 6 38. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. There's that measurement. Pressed down. Shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure that you meet shall be measured unto you again. They use it for money, but I'm, I'm telling you what it's really it's about. It's about the mercy of God. It's about extending yourself in faith. To press down literally means to pack something tightly. It means that if I put something in, it's not like buying a cereal box that's, you know, it's two foot tall and there's only, you know, four inches of cereal in the box. That's, that's what they want to do. It's, it's this big box that has, you're, you're buying air. Buy a bag of potato chips and there's, you know, three quarters of it, there's nothing in it. That's not the way God works. He wants to press those things down. If I buy a bag this big, what's going to happen? It's going to be full of stuff this big. So he says, I'm going to pack that stuff tightly. But listen to what it says. He says, he will give, press down. Then what's the next part of it? Shaken together. To be shaken together, it's literally, it's the motion caused by wind, by storms, or by waves. And so folks, listen, how is it pressed down? Through the shaking together process. God is going to take you through a few storms in order to what? 
to get you to extend. That way he can stretch your faith. That he can take you to a greater capacity. What happens is most people don't want to go through the shaking together or the being packed tightly. He'll pack you tightly. Why? So you can survive the shaking together. Now, if I'm packing a moving truck... And, and I just kind of put this in there. What happens when the shaking happens? Everything falls apart. But what does God do? When He gives you a measurement, He first presses those things down. He packs those things. He puts your spiritual packing peanuts around everything in your life. That way when the shaking comes, you don't begin get rattled in your faith. You don't get rattled in the capacity of what God has told you to do. That way when the motions caused by the wind, by the storms, or by whatever it is that you're having to go through, what? You're able to come out the other side in victory. So when, when you thought you had... Had had, a, had had it and thought that your trial and shaking were going to kill you, they were really only happening in your life to increase the measurement of God's grace upon your life because you had exhibited the requisite necessary faith to qualify you for an even greater manifestation. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so when you thought, man, God, what are you bringing me this through? God, are you disappointed in me? God, are you trying to crush me? God, are you, are you trying to disarm me? God, are you trying to disqualify me? God's saying, no, you've extended that to its place. And so that stretching and that cracking and that pulling in that pain that you're going through, it's because God says, listen, you've gone as far as you can in, in the way that you go. Don't think that you can continue to do things the same way and get different results. What I'm doing is I'm taking you to the extent of where you've been in the past and I'm going to grab a hold of you with both hands and I'm going to begin to pull back on your arms of faith and I'm going to stretch them further than you ever thought they'd go. I'm going to completely find you into a new capacity, into a new level, into a new area that you've never been in your life. Because why? God deals every man a measure of of faith. And folks, initially it's saving faith, which comes to, to, to reveal God to the lost and dying so that He can activate, listen, the grace that, that comes upon us when He begins to convict us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But think about this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, For by grace you're saved, what? Through faith. And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so by grace I'm saved through what? This agency of faith it's not something in my own capacity, but it's once again, it's that good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights, who there's no variation, no shadow of turning in. And so that faith gives way to a greater faith. You hear what I'm saying? And so I initially get a saving faith, but folks, listen, if I only stayed in the realm of saving faith, and I said to myself, you know what, God? I'm just happy. I'm just going to cut myself out this little piece of pie and, and my little section of glory and just build me a little shack there and I'll just go fishing in the sea of glass. Folks, you're never going to make an impact for heaven. And chances are the enemy's going to come and he's going to rob you uh, blind of all those things that he gave you. He's going to, he's going to rob you blind of, of even that little bit of faith. But folks, he gives us that faith to give us a greater capacity of faith. Now think about this. The Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 5 through 10. Luke 17 Verses 5 through 10 says this. And the apostles said unto the Lord. Who said this? Now when you think of the apostles, you think, you think of, so we, we look at the word and we think, man, the apostles were saying this. We're not, we're not talking about Joe Christian or, 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 or blind Bartimaeus or Zacchaeus hiding in the tree. We're not talking about the wee little man. We're talking about the apostles. And what was the apostles' prayer? It said, God, increase our faith. Why? Because they knew that everything that they did, the, the miracles, the power, the ability to open their mouth and speak as the oracles of God, functioned out of the capacity of faith. So what did they say? They say, God, we've extended ourselves to the limitations of what we have. You hear me? Now, God, you grab a hold of me, and I want you to begin to stretch me. God, I want you to take me to a place that I've never been before. God, I want you to pull upon pull upon my arms of my faith. And God, I want you to, to, to take me to a realm and an area of influence that I've, I've never experienced to this point in my life. And so the Lord said, now folks, listen, 
I, I want to teach you something, and maybe you may have to unlearn something in, in these few verses of Scripture that I'm about to give you. He said, so the Lord said. Who said? The Lord said. And so if the Lord says it, I need to begin to listen. It says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Have you ever heard this before? You've heard this verse before, I'm sure. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say unto the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted the seed, and it will obey you. And which of you, having a servant plying or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But he will not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drank, and afterwards then you will eat. Does he thank the servant because he did the things which were commanded him? He said, I don't think so. So likewise, when you have done all the things which you are commanded, say, listen, I'm just an unprofitable servant. What we have done was strictly our duty. Folks, listen, when I extend myself, you know what that is? That's just strictly my duty. I'm, I'm, that's just my reasonable service. That's just me offering myself as a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable service. That's what he's giving me. And so, But let me back up just a minute. He, then he tells them, he says, increase our faith. Folks, listen, I want to tell you something here. You'll hear people preach all the time about this mustard seed type of faith. They'll talk about this mustard seed is so small. But when he says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, folks, he isn't saying if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Okay? That's what you'll hear all the time. If you have faith as a size, what literally that means is you have faith which functions after the manner of a mustard seed. You need to write that down. If you have faith which functions after the manner of a mustard seed. That's the word hose, H-O-C-E in the Greek. And so when Jesus used the analogy of the mustard seed, and he used it five times in the Gospels that we can see, it is always accompanied by that article hose, which relates to the function rather than size. Okay? And so he said, if I have faith that will function in the same way that a mustard seed functions, then I will be able to do something. If it functions like that, then you will be able to speak to the mountain and say, be removed. You will be able to say, unto the sycamine tree, be ye plucked up. And so now we've got to ask ourselves, how does a mustard seed function? Because if it didn't, if, you know, if, brother, if you just have a little bit of faith, that's all you've got to have. It ain't working, is it? You hear what people say? How many times have you heard that? You don't have to have a whole great amount of faith. As long as you just have faith, just the size of mustard seed, that's all it's going to take. You can speak to your mountain, but your mountain's still standing there. You can speak to that sycamine tree and say, see, be plucked up. But you know what? It's still sitting there. It's still deep-rooted in your life. And so something happened. You got some bad teaching along the way. And so you've just been sitting there with your little bit of video mustard seed in a little old jar, and you've been shaking it up and say, God, i got faith as a, as a mustard seed. Why, why, not, why, why am I not getting healed? Why am I not getting delivered? Why am I not getting extended? Now, how does a mustard seed function? Well, good news is Jesus not only tells us to have faith like a mustard seed, but he tells us how that mustard seed has got to function. And he says in Matthew chapter 13, Verses 31 through 32. And he says, Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Okay? When, which a man took. He took it. What did he do? There's that saving faith, that initial faith that God gives us. He took it. He held on to it. He hid in the closet. Is that what it says? No, he says, He took it. Matthew 13, 31 through 32. Turn there keep, and follow with me. It says, He took it and sowed it in the field. Which indeed, it was the least of all seeds. But when it is grown up, it is now the greatest of all herbs. And it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can even come and lodge in the branches thereof. It says that it is sown into the field. Folks, listen. That means it's put into use. It's placed in a position where it becomes profitable. 
Okay? It's put into use and it's placed in a position where it becomes profitable. Folks, listen. If when God saves you, if you think that, listen, I'm just going to go sit on my padded pew behind a stained glass window singing just as I am without no, no plea, and you're wondering why God never uses you to a greater example, why? Because all you do is taking that little measure of faith and you have never sowed it into a place where it can be put to use, where it can be profitable. People say, well, God never, you know, I'll tell people testimonies. I'll tell them great things that God does and say, well, God never uses me like this. You know, I could say that to myself. I can go look at the neighbor's yard and say, Man, you're, did you just mow your grass? Yeah, I got this new Toro lawnmower. Man, my, my lawnmower never mows my grass like that. Well, you never take your lawnmower out of the garage. Folks, that's what you've done with your faith. The reason that you don't see people getting saved, the reason that you may not be see people getting healed, the reason that you might not see a boldness coming upon your life, maybe you're not walking in authority, maybe you're not seeing victory over sin. Why? Because you never take that measure of faith and put it into a place where, where it can be sown into a fertile ground, where it can be put to use, where it can become profitable, where it even has the opportunity to rise up. So what you do is you take that and you just put it in your pocket and you start patting and say, man, i got faith like a, a mustard seed. So I'm going to talk to that mountain. I'm going to talk to that sycamine tree. All those things still set there. You're still walking in bondage. Why? Because you've never allowed it to function after the manner that God had sown it into your life. And so it says to be sown it. But it also means to be extended. And so if I've sown it, what have I done? I've extended it into a greater capacity. I've extended it into a greater area of, 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 of profitability for God. And so he said increase our faith, the apostle said. What sow our faith? Show us where we need to sow our faith into, Lord God. Show us how we can extend our faith. Show us how you can stretch us, Lord God, in those areas that we've never been stretched. Show us, Lord God, how, how you're going to take us, Lord God, to a greater height, Lord God, in a deeper depth. Show us, Lord God, where we're going to have to depend upon you, Lord God, because we're going where we've never gone before. We're, we're saying what we've never said before. We're doing things, Lord God, we've, we've never seen done, Lord God. Extend me and stretch me, Lord God. Father, I know it, it's going to hurt a little bit, Lord God. I, 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 I know it's, I'm going I'm to wonder to myself, is it worth it, Lord God? But I know unless there's an extending, unless there's a, a stretching, Lord God, there's never going to be a, a greater capacity, Lord God, for the things of holiness and righteousness and power to be made manifest in my life. And so I've heard people all the time teach and preach that for years. They say, all you have to do is have faith the size of a mustard seed. But the Scripture doesn't say that. He said, you've got to have faith that functions like a mustard seed. And they'll say, well, just a little bit, and then you can say... But once again, nothing ever happens. The mountains never removed, the miracle never comes, the breakthrough is never manifested, and the glory of God is never revealed. Why? Because they are sitting around and they've got this little pinch of faith between their fingers. And they're holding it so tight they don't want it to get away. Man, I don't want to do anything. Why? Because I'm, I'm too afraid. If I do that, man, I'll, I'll fail. If I do that, then, then I won't have victory. If I do that, then, 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 then I'll be disappointed. If I, if I do that, the power of God may not come upon my life. If I do that... They don't have to move outside of the realm of my own comfort zone. If I, if I do that, then, 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 then it won't be about me anymore and it'll be about God. If, it, if I do that, then, then may, man, God may have me talk to somebody. If I do that, then, then I'll have to move from just being a part of the church choir and actually go out and hit the streets and, and preach the gospel to somebody. If, if I do that, but what do they want to do? They just want to hold that little faith between their, 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 their thumb and forefinger and say, God, I got this. Now do miracles through me. Folks, it's never going to happen. You've been sitting in the same place. You've been doing the same things and nothing has happened. You've got to take that measure of faith that God has given you and you've got to begin to sow it into the ground. And so you, you, you do it. And if it's never sown into a place where God has prepared it for growth, it's never going to grow. You hear what I'm saying? And so what you've got to do is you've got to say, God, I want you to do that. You know, I remember years ago, my pastor came to me and here I was, just, just I think 19 years old, Millie and I was probably just married. And he comes to me and he says, uh, listen, I want you to start leading praise and worship. 
And I, my first initial response was, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't sing. I don't do that. And he said, well, I didn't ask you if, you if you sung or did that. He said, I'm telling you what I need you to do. Now, I could have done one of two things. I could have held on to my measure of faith and say, oh, that's not me. I'm just going to squeeze it to death. Or I could have did what I did and I could have cast it out there and sewn it into what God had me to do. And as a result of me being obedient, what happened? And folks, listen, I see that happening in my life all the time. And listen, don't think that it only happens when you first get saved. Listen, after 13 and a half years of pastoring the same church, I was sitting there with my, my faith between my fingers, and God said, I want you to leave it all behind, and I want you to go to another city where you don't, live, uh, uh, you don't know anyone. Now, I could have sat there and had a good time rocking my faith and said, I got faith like a seed, uh, a mustard seed. It never have done anything, or what? I could throw it into the ground. But as an act of that obedience, what's God done? Now we see the ministry extending literally all across this nation and, and beyond. Folks, listen, you've got to take that seed, whatever God gives. If God has given you a word, go sow it in somebody. If God has given you a measure of faith, go sow it in somebody. If, if God has given you a gift, go and put it to use. Why? Because that's the only thing that's going to extend you. If God has, has given you a prophecy, speak it out. If God's given you a word of knowledge, speak it out. If you put a song in your heart, lift up your voice and cry aloud from the, from the housetops. Whatever it is. But put yourself in a situation where God is, is going to extend you to the place that, that He can stretch you to a greater capacity. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 3.6, he said, guys, listen, I plant another waters. What do I do? I sow it into the ground. The water comes. Somebody cultivates it. But God gives increase. Folks, listen, the only way that your faith is going to be increased, the only way that your ability to transcend the things that you've done in the natural is to take those things that God has given you and put them to use. I've shared with you the testimony here. I had somebody come to my... To, to, to the, uh, up to the altar one time and asked for prayer. They said, uh, they said, Pastor, pray for me that God will use me in the gift of healing. And you've heard me say this. Some of you have. And I said, well, so are you going and praying for the people in the hospitals and nursing homes? They said, no. And I said, so why would God want to waste that on you? Folks, listen. If, if you say to yourself, why isn't God using me? It's, it, the chances are it's because you've never taken that measure of faith and said, God, here I am. People that say, well, listen, I could never... You know, you tell them, you know, hey, man, we go out in, in streets in front of nightclubs and we preach the God. I could never do that. No, what you're saying is you would never do that. The reason that you can never do that is because you were never willing to, to walk outside of your pride and walk outside of your fear and walk outside of your, your inhibitions and walk outside of those things that would control you and to put yourself in a situation where you can no longer depend upon your personality, no longer depend upon the armor of your own faith, and you've got to depend upon the faith of God inside of your life to extend you and to stretch you to speak to people. Well, I wouldn't be able to... to I, don't, I wouldn't know how to go and just initiate a conversation. Not unless you do. Why can I do it? Because I've done it thousands of times. Why can I go? Because I've gone when God's told me to go. Folks, it is no different. God is no respecter of persons. And so, if He, if he allowed Moses to do it, if He allowed Elijah to do it, if He allowed David to do it, if He allowed Samuel to do it, if He, if he allowed Joseph to do it, if He allowed Peter to do it, if He allowed Paul to do it, if He allowed Esther to do it, if He allowed Ruth to do it, whoever He allowed to do it, you know why? Because they were willing to say, God, you know what? I don't have much to offer, but everything that I do have, Lord God, I'm I'm going to put it at your disposal. I'm going to let you cast it into the ground, Lord God. I'm going to let you sow it into the field. That way you can increase my faith, that you can build me up. Why? Because I know that you have dealt to every man a measure of faith. But Lord God, I want my faith, Lord God, right now at this moment, to be pressed down. I want you to pack it in, Lord God. I want it to be shaken together, Lord God. I want my faith, Lord God, to go down the roughest roads. I want it to go down the, the, the toughest storms because I know that the shaking process is what's going to pack it in. I don't want to walk some fluffy life. I don't want to 
walk some thing where I'm just walking around, bouncing around, and thinking that I'm doing something. Lord God, I want you to pack me so tight, amen, that there is a density, that there's a strength, that there's a foundation in my life. Lord God, that when I deliver a bold blow to the adversary, there is a power-packed punch behind it in the name of Jesus. Folks, but the only way you're going to get that is to allow God to increase the measurement of your faith through what? Allowing faith to function like a mustard seed. Allowing it to grow into go into the ground. And what does it do? It says, then when it's built up, it, it grows to the capacity that even the fowl of the air are able to, to encamp in it. Folks, listen. If you're going to sit there with it between your finger and your thumb and think that you're going to do anything, that you're ever going to get that healing, get that victory, that God is ever going to use you in the ministry, the capacity that you sit there and have these dreams about, it's never going to happen until you take that thing and you begin to apply it. You allow it to function the way that God designed it to function. Then Romans 12.4 says this. It says, for as many, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. We have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So when he's talking about we have many members in one body, what he's talking about is all those persons who are in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians 1.22. It says that Christ, and that's what it says in Ephesians 1.22, it says that Christ is the head and that we're all the body. And so all of us are part of that same body. We're all a part of that same membership. The good news about that, folks, is regardless of, of, of where one part goes, I can, I can go and say my hand is going to go out into my, my, my other room or into this other part of, of the studio today. And you know what? The body's going to follow along. We're going to have the, the, we're going to move and function as a unit. And so if my head itches, what happens? My hand scratches it. So we're all a part of that same body. There's a functionality within that. And, and so all bodies though, uh, uh, all parts of the body do not have the same office. And so I want us to look at that, what I just said in conjunction, uh, to the previous verse. But comparing them to what it says, I want to read that previous verse again. For I say to you through grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And he says, For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Now take those two verses, and let's compare them to what it says here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave some apostles... Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. In other words, he gave those offices for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of that individual, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I want to say this to all those armchair theologians, all those armchair apostles and prophets and bishops and whatever else. If that office is not working to the building up of the body of Christ, you are not legitimately functioning with the capacity of that office. You hear what I'm saying? You may have a title, but you are not functioning the, the way that God has designed that. If it's not building up, if it's if if, if 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 Mr. Bishop out there, all he does is take from the body and he doesn't build up the body, he is not a part of that office. He is a charlatan. He is walking in a charade. He is an imposter. As Pastor Terry often says, he is a bootlegger for the things of God. He is not doing those things because if I'm walking within the capacity and the in the in the in the in the function of those offices, what's going to happen? I'm going to be edifying and building up the whole body. And I'm not going to say to somebody else, listen, here's what you need to do for me. But what am I doing? I'm taking what I have and building up the body. And we're functioning together. And if one struggles, I'm struggling. If one rejoices, I'm rejoicing. We're all a part of one another. And I'm laying my life down for somebody else. If, if I have something, you have something. If, if, if you have something, I have something. We begin to function in, in, in one capacity. Folks, what that does is that, that tells you that, listen, you're not out on some island. 
If you can't say, well, I don't care who likes it, this is just the way it is, and I'm just going to do what I need, you're not on an island. Every decision that you make is part of the body of Christ. I don't care if it's a, the, the body of Christ here where you're at. If I make a decision right here in, in, in central Florida, you know what? Eventually, it's going to have a reverberation. It's going to affect the body somewhere else. I don't care if you're in Pennsylvania. The decisions that you make in regards to the body are going to affect people in Africa. If people in Africa make a decision in regards to the body, it's going to have an effect on people in Russia. You can't escape those things. It's going to, it's going to have those. It may not manifest itself immediately, but somewhere down the line, maybe not even in your generation, but it's going to have an effect. And so what does it do? It says we have got to be the body of Christ, realizing that we are, are functioning. We are one to another. Each one is supplying the, the need of the other. And that God has brought those offices together. Why? To assure that the edifying of the body of Christ takes place. But what has happened over a few generations is those offices aren't about bringing the, the or edifying the body of Christ or bringing it to unity. They're really, they function to separate or divide the body of Christ. Why do I say that? Folks, look in the phone book. Look under churches. You have one title churches, then you have 15 or 20 different divisions within the churches. I'm the Church of Christ. I'm the, I'm the Baptist Church. I'm the Presbyterian Church. I'm the Catholic Church. I'm the Pentecostal Church. I'm the Assemblies of God. And even under think Pentecostal churches, I'm the Pentecostal Church of God. I'm the Assembly of God. I'm the Church of God. I'm the Word of Faith. You see what I'm saying? Let's see how divided that we can get in, in, in order to, to build ourselves up rather than saying, Lord God, what do I need to do? How can I build up the body of Christ? What is it that you've brought into my life that's going to be to, to edifying? What office? Till what? Till verse 13. Till we all come. Till who comes? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto, back to this measure, Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Folks, listen. Unto every man he has dealt a measure of faith. He has given you that little seed. He's given you that little thing. But what he's told you, I'm giving you a little measurement. That way that you can see how it's supposed to function. That way what? It can grow up until you come to the fullness of the stature, the knowledge of God. Until you come to the unity of faith, under the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ Jesus. Folks, the goal is, it's not to just get your little chunk out and just to hold on and hopefully he comes before you fall away. But it's taking and investing what you have to get in somebody else's life. Here's what I say all the time and I'll say it to you that are listening this morning. If you do not have what it takes right now for you to see the fulfillment of your vision, what God's told you to do, take what you have and help somebody else fulfill theirs. Do I need to say that again? If you're not in a place, if you're saying, well, God's called me to go do this or go to Africa to preach the gospel, and you're obviously not in Africa doing those things, what you need to do is take what God has given you and you need to invest it in someone else's vision and help them get to where they're at. You know what that's going to do? That's going to build up the body and that's going to accelerate you getting to where God's called you to get. Folks, listen, the body so oftentimes functions and we think to ourselves, listen, I'm going to do my little thing and if you like it, you can be a part of it. Or, you know what, I don't want to extend myself because then maybe when my chance comes along, folks, listen, our whole life is laying down our lives for one another. That's what the whole function of the body is. It's saying, you know what? If my hand hurts, my other hand is going to say, you know what? I was busy, but because you have pain, I'm going to comfort that hand. My eyes, I'm going to cover this because why my eye hurts. My head hurts, so I'm going to, I'm going to grab a hold of my head. Folks, listen, that's what the body of Christ is. If I don't have what it takes for me to get where I'm going at that time, what am I going to do? I'm going to take what I do have and invest in someone else to get there. Now, that just flies in the face of everything they teach you in, 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 in the world. Listen, we're looking out for number one. Man, if you don't want to do it the way I do, you can just go on. Folks, listen, we've got to lay our lives down. I think about Joshua chapter 1. Let me, let me turn there to Joshua. I'm going to show you something real quick. Joshua chapter 1. 
You say to yourself, man, we're talking about Romans. Now we've got to go all the way back to Joshua. Yeah, absolutely we do. Check this out. Joshua chapter 1. And he said to the Reubenites and to the Gadites of the half-tribe of Manasseh, and spoke Joseph, saying of them, he said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord has given you rest and has given you your land. Folks, these are the ones that desired to camp. This, this, the Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They said, listen, we want to stay. Man, this is last ground on the, on, the, on the east side of Jordan. We just think we'll stay here. We don't even want to cross over where you guys are going. And he said, remember, the Lord said, you can have that. You can have that land. He said, your, your wives, though, your cattle, your little ones. He said, they all remain in the land which, which Moses gave you on that side of Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men in valor and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest and has given you that them also which they have possessed in their land, which the Lord has given unto them. Then you will be able to return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's uh, servant, gave you on the other side of Jordan towards the sun's rising. What was he telling you? He said, Reuben, listen. And I think the word Reuben means a son. You've already obtained your sonship. You've already got it. Gad means the, the army. And the, the word uh, Manasseh, I think it means causing you to forget. In other words, you, you've come into your place. You recognize who you are in Christ Jesus as a son. As a Reuben. You, you know God has already enabled you as an army of the Lord, like a Gadite. God has already caused you to forget those things that were behind. And you, you've got possession now. And he said, just because you're in there don't mean that you're just going to camp out and you're going to say, y'all have a good time fighting for your own. He said, you've already got your stuff, so what you're going to do is you're going to take up arms and you're going to go and fight as though you don't have those things. Now, folks, where's the church? You can, you can go into any city, any place... And what's going to happen, you'll have this church over here that's got a, several thousand members. They're blowing and going, and they're doing, uh, do, doing great things and going in a building program. They've got family life centers. They've got more than they could ever use. They've got a million-dollar nest egg. Then you've got this church over here that's in the hood, that's preaching the gospel, that are struggling just to keep the lights on. And this church over here is saying, man, if you just do it the way I did it. But God hadn't called them to that place. So why don't this church say, listen, you're doing it. I've got more than I need. And so every single month, we're going to pay your light bill. Every single month, we're going to pay the pastor's salary. You don't have to struggle. Y'all ain't have to have to go out and sell in $5 chicken dinners on the street corner in order to, to make the things. You keep doing what you want to. Why? Because we're already in the land of our possession. Isn't that the way the body should function? That's the way it functioned when they moved into the promised land. The reason there's so much derision, the reason there's so much division, is because the body of Christ is not functioning that way. Because these people that are thinking they're operating in these offices are not really genuinely operating in the offices, not even operating according to the measure of faith. Because why? They're afraid to take what God is giving them and throw it into the ground. That's why the church is not seeing uh, unprecedented miracles. That's why people, if they get sick, they jump in the car and they head to the emergency room rather than the church. They go to the emergency room and they may call the church for prayer rather than going to the church and saying, listen, we're going to start at the first place. And if that no works, then we'll think about calling 911. But the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to begin to call uh, John 11 and, uh, and, 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 and that, that he's come and he is the word and he, and we, and he was God and he was, we was with God. Folks, listen, we got to call the right number first. But until we're willing to take that seed and operate and use it in the function that it is, we're never going to see the power that God has for us. Until we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness that we are no more tossed about like children carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait 
to deceive. But speaking the truth. How do you speak it? You speak it in love. That we may grow up. There it is. I throw it in. It's going to grow up to be the greatest of all trees. Grow up in all things, which is the head, even Christ. For whom the whole body fits together, compacted. There's that word again. Pressed down by the every joint supplied according to the effectual working in the measure. There's that measure again. Every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Folks, that's the genuine pressed down, shaken together. Not trying to drum up a love offering on a Sunday morning or anything else. What it is, it's taking what I have and sowing it into somebody's life. That way when the storms of life come upon them, what happens? We're pressed together. We're holding on to one another. I'm encouraging you. You're encouraging me. And our goal is not something that we can build up or our own reputation or our own little kingdom. But our goal is one another, the body of Christ. That way when, the, when He comes back, that we can present to Him a bride without spot or blemish, without any division, without any wrinkle, without anything that, that's d- 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 uh, divisive whatsoever. But we're walking in the unity of faith. What one needs to do is ask, Themselves, am I seeking the face of God regarding the function that God has called me to in the process of building up the body? God, am I really genuinely functioning in that capacity? Because until you function within that capacity as a grain of mustard, as you function as that, as I take that little seed that's got within its, within its tiny shell the capacity for great things, until I begin to sow it in those areas that God has, Folks, listen, there's never going to be increase. You're going to sit there and say, i got a mustard seed, i got a mustard seed. But until you do something with it, there's absolutely no value. But this mustard seed, it can grow up. Yeah, it can, but, but it never will until you begin to walk in the righteousness and holiness and obedience to God, presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, which is just the reasonable thing for you to do. Not all function the same way, even though all are called to go the same way. Do you hear me? We're, we're many members... All have not the same office. Folks, not all of us have the same capacity. I know how I'm wired. I know how I am. I know that God has wired me with a, in a certain way based upon the office He's given me. Now, I don't require other people in their capacity or their office or their gifting to do everything the way I do it. I know what God's told me to do. And He's put that measure of faith in me and He's extended me. As, he's, he's stretched me as I've extended myself in those and God continues to do that. But I'm not going to look at you and say, well, you're not doing it the way I... Well, maybe you're not. Your function isn't the same as mine. Now, our goal is always the same. It's to, to, to bring people under the kingdom. And so if, if where you're at or what God's called you to do or that office, you're bringing people into the kingdom, you're functioning in obedience to what God has called. And so if I say, well, you got to do this or you got to do that or, or we get frustrated with somebody else for not doing it the way we want, Want. Folks, listen, we're the body fitly joined together. Each one's supplying the need of the other. And if we'll be patient, we'll watch how those mechanisms. My liver is not the same as my heart. My heart's not the same as my brain. My brain is not the same as my eyes. But what are they doing? They're functioning in one capacity together to do something that's going to bring glory unto His kingdom. So we, verse 5, being many, are one body in Christ, even one members one of another. And so what he's saying right there in verse 5 is simply, listen, folks, listen, we function as a unit. And so what we need to do is we need to take that measure of faith that God has given us and we need to extend it. We need to take it and allow it to function, but knowing that we are a unit. And so if I I know I'm a unit, what happens? Then I know that I need you and I know that you need me and I know that I've got to have care for you and I know that I may have my my place on the east side of Jordan. I may have my sonship. I may be have my army. I may have already forgotten the past, but listen, I'm going to fight like I haven't. You hear me? I'm going to fight like I've never arrived. I'm going to fight like I've never seen God's victory. I'm going to fight like I haven't got my healing. I'm going to fight like I haven't gotten my provision. Why? Because until you get yours, then I truly haven't gotten mine. That's the way the body of Christ, folks, has got to function. 
Folks, listen, we are totally out of time this morning, but I'm hoping you get that, especially that whole thing about you hear people, I just got this little bit of faith and that's all I need. It ain't working for you. So what do you got to do? You've got to sow that into the place that God has got you, uh, called you to go in that function of that office or that capacity into that place of obedience before you will ever see that thing bloom and break forth and to allow you to have the strength and the power that you so desire. God is no respecter of persons. To everyone, He's given a measure of faith. Folks, we're totally out of time today. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another time in the Word of God for the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. But i got one bit of advice for you this morning. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.